the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. We can talk about McDonald's changing up their late night dinner menu and how that affects real estate. We can talk about states needing to spend on infrastructure, but there's pension shortfalls and how that affects real estate and your real estate prices and your real estate home values. We can talk about the hot IPO market and how minting millionaires on paper affects real estate. How about how 2019 played out versus expectations at the end of 2018. Sometimes you look at things in the first quarter. Sometimes you look at things in the first half. Sometimes you look at things in the whole year. Sometimes you look at things three years past. But affordability issues were a big top concern going into 2019, and then something happened. Boom. Interest rates went down and made affordability a little bit easier. But at the end of 2018, we were like, no, no, no. This affordability thing is going to be the issue. It's going to be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Which, for the record, camels are dirty, nasty animals, and we need to put more straw on their backs. I've ridden a camel before. I've been in a camel race before. Don't hold that against me. Part of my growing up was international, and yes, I once rode a camel. And they are nasty, filthy animals. They don't brush their teeth. I know you're saying, who brushes their teeth? And I, I, to this day, I'm like, they don't brush their teeth. It's nasty. You ever gone out with someone and they're like, or you're in high school and someone comes up to you and asks you out on a date or something and they got these just nasty teeth. You're like, your teeth look like camel teeth. Ah! Anyhow, um, Silicon Valley's facing an exodus of young people. That's kind of a fun word, exodus, right? When you think about exodus, you're thinking like, oh, Moses, I'm going to take my people to the land of plenty. And everyone leaves Silicon Valley and then it's suddenly it's a land of old people. And they all have their Prop 13 and they're all like glorious in it, but no one works at grocery stores or police officers or teachers and 
No one's there. All the young people have left the state. Hey, man, I'm 91 years old. Got that? I deserve a little respect from you, my buddy. <laughs> my buddy. Can you imagine what the state would look like if there's a mass exodus of young people and it's just Prop 13ers left? They will go down. They will pry from their dead fingers through their Prop 13. I benefit from Prop 13, and I hate Prop 13. How you feel about them apples? Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Microphone on. That's how radio works. It's the theater of the mind only when the microphone actually works. Because then it's just like the theater of the closet where we can't really hear you at all. What do you think about my my introduction? What do you think about the McDonald's story? I was kind of curious where you were leading with it. We've done stories before, you and I. Um, You're with BayAreaLoanSource.com. Where we see if a Whole Foods comes into a neighborhood, it mm-hmm. increases home values. Well, how about McDonald's trim its late night menu? In case you're doing some edibles, you're a little bit high, and you got to have some sugar, and you're thinking apple pie, you're thinking something to, to, to Jones you. Fast Food Giants introduced its late night menu in 2013. Gone is the filet of fish from midnight to 5 a.m. Boo. You like, I like the filet of fish. It's not really fish. Fake fish? Filet of fake fish. You can't tell people you like eat filet of fish. You have to. You're talking when to the in guy California, who used to drive 10 miles to a Taco Bell. I'm not the guy who drove 10 miles I, to Taco I'm Bell. talking to the uh, one right here. So I, was, believe, I believe in Dante's yeah. Inferno that the 10th level of hell <laughs> was tied towards Taco Hell, which is where they came up with it. So starting April 30th, McDonald's restaurants nationwide will be simplifying what's served after menu, after midnight. So uh, fan favors like Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets, All Day Breakfast Items, and McCafe products still available. But gone the filet of fish the premium salads, and the buttermilk crispy tenders. Huh. I never thought this. But, but anyway, um, restaurants and lifestyle. It's, it's changing. Like um, some cities are, are really investing big in like a nice little strip of, of local restaurants and kind of yeah, like I mean, a European vision. And we, it pays off. We hear this all the time from buyers that, you know, hey, we're. We, Okay, here's your pre-approval. Where you're looking, and we yeah. start consulting with them. And even I did it too when I started looking houses in the Bay Area. I was looking for the amenities that were close by um, because that's what I was used to. A lot of the people who are renting now that are looking to buy, or they've owned and they're looking to buy, are used to some sort of amenities around, um, whether it's a restaurant or a coffee shop or yeah. you know, you know, some place to hang out. And I, I was looking in neighborhoods, and I was like, "Where are we going to go? Where's the park? Where? Oh, we got to walk." You know, you talk to a neighbor, you got to walk a mile. So you're all about dog parks and restaurants? Uh, Yeah, it's about schools. Because I always thought schools were the best thing. Of course. But, you know, for me, school of McDonald's, I'm sure they have one. For me, I wouldn't mind moving to Granite Bay because there's a Folsom County prison there. And if I kill my wife, it won't be that long of a drive. (laughs) I kid. I kid. But it is a nice amenity not to like have a long drive across California to go to your mansion. She might be thinking the same thing. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> Especially after that comment. Way to kill a funny segment, Tony. You're known as a downer. It was that, was that supposed to be a pun? Kill a segment? No, it wasn't a pun at all. all right. Most people don't know what puns are. Most people don't know what irony is. Isn't that where you, isn't that where you take your clothes and put it on a board and you put a thing on it and straighten out? The, okay, the okay. Iron? So amenities are important. I always thought the, the school districts are important. Well, schools, of course, but... I was talking to a guy yesterday, and I'm like, he's, he's leaving the area. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, well, I'm not going to Santa Barbara. And he got kind of downright, I'm not going to say racist, but he got downright straight, straight on about it. He goes, 
yeah, Santa Barbara schools, they're, they're kind of like half speak English, half don't. And he's like, that's a bit of a problem for me. And he was kind of straight on about it. And he's like, he started talking about school districts and you know, he's got kids who are, in, he's not moving anywhere without a good school district. He's not moving anywhere unless his wife is convinced it's a good school district. So I think that's one of the biggest things with buying a house or even potentially quote unquote investing in a house is make sure you have some resale value and school districts are one of them. Sure. And it's certainly in our world, the real estate side is the schools being the number one factor for people looking at a house. Um, They want the schools. They want the amenities that come along with it. They want the community is really uh, what they're saying. And, and, you know, McDonald's coming in or any other company for that matter saying, hey, we're going to build shop here. Um, just kind of adds to that. So I, you know, McDonald's they've they've done a great job with the real estate. Everywhere you go, they're they're oh, there's got to be McDonald's right around the corner, and there it is. Yeah. Um, and they've done a great job at that. But when you start adding that with a good school district and you know the, a, a great coffee place and some little boutiques and and you, you you get it's it's not strip mall. That's one thing I liked about California is that they, they people have really gone away from the strip malls unless you get a little farther out. You know. Sorry, Sacramento, but yeah, you get out there. But um, I came from the East Coast, and that's what everywhere you, every community was built around a strip mall. Um, you don't get that quite here, and I like that. And I think that's what people are looking for, that quaintness. And again, people who are buying have been growing up with that type of atmosphere. So one of the things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about HELOCs. We're going to talk about points. We're going to talk about realtors. One of the things I want to talk about is Silicon Valley is facing an exodus of young employees, and recruiting tech talent is becoming harder um, many, many, you're talking about 40 plus percent who are currently here are ready to leave within a year. You know, the thing that just scares me on that statement is the tax basis. Young people pay the highest taxes, usually in the Bay Area. That's, that's, if I'm a politician, I'm worried about that statistic. I'm trying to keep young people here. I'm having concerts in the park every weekend, so to speak, to keep them here. It's an amenity kind of thought. Mm-hmm. It's a loose thought, but it's a thought. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He does all my mortgages, all my loans. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black. She's putting it out there. She got a look like she's leaving. Looks like she knows what she's wanting. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Oh, lucky you. You get the dulcet tones of Rob Black. Rob Black and your money. Sitting here with me, Tony Mendez. He of the guy who famously accidentally taps the microphone on a regular basis accidentally. And... It's like, how long have you been doing this? You know that thing that you're tapping actually makes a noise? And then when Tony's not here, you get Chad, who he's the king of the guy, who talks off microphone, so he's way back here, and you're like, what is he saying? Is he in a fishbowl? So yeah, today you get me and my dulcet tones. Relax, baby. I got this. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. One of my biggest fears is watching the tax base leave California because we are a very much so state that loves to spend taxes. We are a state that provides a lot. Um, I have a good friend who left the state and he goes, in California, California gives to everybody. 
in Arizona, they give to nobody. He, he doesn't want to live in a state that's like so tax like hungry to feed their their the tax the needy. So I get it when I you see young people, you know, wanting to leave the state. And this isn't a small number. And these are big taxpayers. It's 49 percent expect another region outside San Francisco Bay Area to emerge as a center of innovation. We don't own innovation here. It can be happened in Detroit, Cleveland, New York. I know more good looking young people living in New York than I know good looking young people living in San Francisco. And 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was exactly flipped. And I'm not saying good looking young people are, are the future. But they are certainly nice to look at. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. They're the future of tax basis, is what I'm kind of saying. Yeah, and uh, they're looking for affordable housing and a, a, a lifestyle that they're accustomed to. And we're seeing places all across the United States. Um, uh, we're going to see Washington, D.C. area boom. We're, we've already been seeing a boom before even Amazon yeah. said they were going to move there. And places like Austin and, and San Antonio have, have really been... Uh, the front runner for many, many years where we're seeing a lot of tech move. Uh, you got North Carolina, you got Research Triangle. A lot of these places in smaller towns are really starting to benefit. And we've talked about this many, many times about where are people moving? And I think we're seeing a sign of of the um, longtime generations uh, or ho- homeowners here in the Bay Area saying, you know what? Um, and they're thinking like you do. Who's going to buy my house? Who's going to take on a $2 million house or $1.5 million house and be able to afford that tax payment? Because, right, you know, I'm happy with Prop 13. I'm doing okay. I bought my house for, you know, $800,000. i am only paying $800 a month. Meanwhile, I'm going to sell my house. Who's going to pay $2,000 a month in taxes plus their mortgage plus their down payment? And I think we're seeing a lot of people figure this out. And I think companies are doing that as well. Um, I, I mean, 49%. That's a big number. Is it an exodus? Um, we still have a lot of people coming in, but I think we're seeing people getting replaced is what's happening. Um, but I mean, look at Reno, Reno's booming. Um, they're seeing the largest appreciation in home prices in Nevada. Some, in some cases in the West coast, um, right now, believe it or not, Milwaukee, they're seeing a resurgence. They're the year over year leader uh, last month with a think 18 or 16 percent increase in their home prices. So a lot of cities across the United States that are what I call second tier are benefiting from places like the Bay Area where equity is leaving. I, I don't know if you if you say tax basis, but yeah, they're taking their tax basis and running their, their equity. Right. And the state of Texas ran a big ad campaign a couple of years ago, move your business to Texas. We have no corporate tax. Like they mm-hmm. went way out of their way to say, yeah, you may not be doing so great in California and come here. And those campaigns do suck away talent and they do suck away. Again, it's just the law firm that has a, a all their employees are from Texas and they fly on a plane and they, they laugh about California prices. They take a private jet. They bill their clients for their time in the air, you know, billable hours. So they offset that cost. Like more, the more that happens, the more negative it is. Because one of the arguments that I've been having with a good friend of mine is like, the only reason we've done so well is because Facebook went with mega campus and Apple went with a mega campus and Google went with a mega campus. And like, there was a day and age where Yahoo kind of, kind of a humble campus and now it's it's almost like you're nothing unless you're big like salesforce tower mm-hmm. i mean it, it's it's the amount of people you can fit in that is is gargantuan it's 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 a lot of jobs so to speak until they go the other direction like tesla in fremont tesla's going to start firing people and it will affect the number of houses on the market in fremont so i'm not saying fremont's the place to go right now but do you get the idea well, telecommuting has also been something that has changed the way people look at buying houses and where they want to live. Um, 
several of my neighbors have already moved to places like Grass Valley, Sacramento. Um, I don't want to say, Ta- well, yeah, I guess we did have somebody in Tahoe and, and they work out of their home and they get Bay Area salaries. All they have to do is show up every once in a while. And uh, we're seeing more and more companies ad- adopt that type of um, employee. Um, and that's going to be able to spread that wealth around the nation, not necessarily here in the Bay Area, which I don't want to say like a, an Apple or a Google or Facebook is they're being hypocrites, but um, by, you know, trying to build this massive campus and then yet still hiring people out of the state or out of the area. But it is a, there is a flow of money that's that the Bay area continues to uh, empower people to, you know, change real estate prices elsewhere. But, you know, I, I I don't want to say that the Bay area is going to suffer immediately. I I think it's a trend that, that it's worth paying attention to. It's a slow moving trend, but it's trend. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth paying attention to. I'm sure in 10 years from now we'll go, Oh yeah, we were, you know, the first people to talk about this, or at least it'll become more clear on what actually happened. But, um, you know, I, I feel pretty secure about the Bay Area real estate. There's not, there, there's very little to build here. Um, what is being built is high end and, uh, and smaller and people are buying it. There's people still on right. it. Just so everyone heard you, they're building two things, high end and smaller and smaller. Yeah. So smaller is the problem for people. It is, but it, it also drives it also drives up the price of your single family house because that's eventually what they're going to want when they get kids. So, and they're not building those. Uh, otherwise, you have to go farther and farther out. So, when it's all said and done, there's the supply and demand issue that the Bay Area has, and, and until these companies decide to completely move, I mean, you know, I lived in a small town in, in Massachusetts, and when I moved there, a, a, a GE plant closed. I employed like twenty percent of the people in this town, and it was broke. Um, half the, I, I always said half the people were drunks, the other half the people were on welfare. And it was it was a rough town to be in. And I don't think something like that dramatic can happen, especially when you have, um, you know, such a desirable area to live in. I don't know how that desirable it is. It's losing some, certain pockets. It's got microclimates. It also has, you know, areas that are desirable and some that are less desirable. And some that just aren't worth the perks, per se. You know, if you sell a $2 million home that you bought for 800000 that's a lot of vacations around the world. So one of the things I want to talk to you about when we come back are the good and bad of points, HELOCs, arms. Also, I want to talk a little bit about what we're seeing now is who are some of the buyers. And one of them you may not think of. You may think of Asians. You may think of, um, you know, mommy and daddy inheritance. You may think of startup.coms. But how about companies that are raising money to buy houses? Companies buying houses. It's almost like robots buying blenders. We'll talk about that and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up always. You can use the code radio25 to get in for free. There's a lot of free downloadables that are awesome at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. And you can find Tony Mendez at bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com. and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Everyone knows I've got a fondness for 15th century 
Egyptian jugs. I like pottery. I like pottery a lot. It's kind of like my cross-stitching. But also, I like reading the annual letter from Jamie Dimon to shareholders. It's worthy of reading. I think he's, whether you like him or not, I think he's, it's kind of like the Yankees. Their lineup is worth studying. It's like the Boston Red Sox. Well, they're pitching old up. Jamie Dimon recently has gone on record saying 40% of American workers earn less than $15 an hour. And about 5% of full-time Americans earn the minimum wage or less. 40% of Americans don't have a total of $400 to deal with any sort of unexpected expenses. If there's one thing and only one thing I talk about on this show, and I've told myself a million times not to exaggerate anything that I talk about on the show, is that you got to have an emergency fund and you got to start saving for retirement. And I, I get it. It's impossible to save for retirement when you're making $15 an hour. But if you have cable TV, then I'm mad at you. If you have a cell phone, then I'm mad at you. We once lived without cell phones, and now 90% of us have to have something. It's silly. It's inane. It's banal. It's the big, dark circle that's filled with nothing that we end up going to. So most Americans can't afford the American dream. 15 bucks an hour, 40%. All I want to do is be the coolest grandfather in the world one day. I know you're saying, why? Because I once heard about the coolest grandfather in the world who once had $5 bills in each hand, and the kid, no matter which hand he picked, he, he won. That's, that's what I want you to do. So Jamie Dimon, if you read Google Jamie Dimon, it's D-I-M-O-N, and he kind of looks like a Robert Kraft, where you're like, ooh, I don't trust that. He looks like a wealthy white guy with, with lots of hair and like really good suits. Jamie Dimon is all that in a bucket of chicken when it comes to writing. He talks about, you know, automation. He talks about mortgage loans. He talks about credit cards. He talks about Americans. Um, he talks about corporate America and tax cuts. Educate yourself, people. Did you know that America, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com? Nope. We have more millionaires than Sweden has citizens. That's crazy to think of. Yeah. Talk about being a land of plenty. For the record, worst candy ever. What do you think? Uh, well, good and plenty. <laughs> it's awful. I didn't mind them. Oh my god, what's wrong with you? I have ah. different taste buds. It's like Boston beans are like the second worst, if not the worst. And those are candy. Beans and candy don't go together. Speaking about going together, interest rates. Interest rates. Two thousand nineteen turned out to be a little bit of a curveball. We thought affordability was going to be an issue, and then interest rates came down and made affordability a little less of an issue, but still an issue. Yeah, it's it's been a, um, especially for people who bought probably or refinanced in the last couple of years and looked at the opportunity to refinance or buy into low interest rates. And um, it was really a good sign in a, in a sense, but it's, you know, it's got a double-edged sword. It could push home prices up even higher, especially the higher end. Um, we're seeing a lot of high-end homes hitting the market. Home prices are going up in the higher end. That's on average in the United States. That's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or higher. Um, here in the Bay Area, you know, all of a sudden, a one point two, one point three million dollar house just got a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, and you know, at this, and it comes at the, you know, at the same time that we have lenders really opening up their guidelines, especially in the jumbo territory. You can do. 10% down on jumbos with no mortgage insurance. And, and then you have a good rate with that or a decent rate. You know what's interesting um, about the lower interest rates? Uh, it's a teeter-totter. You work with a teeter-totter of buyers and sellers, right? 
So for when interest rates go down, it helps the buyers. It kind of helps the sellers because it kind of like makes things a little more affordable. But the sellers have a damnation game now too. They're chasing affordability of their next home. Yep. And they're chasing when do I lock into low interest rates? And I, I've seen one guy. He was sweating bullets. He was staying up at night vomiting, waiting for his house to sell so he can go take that money and put it into another home. And I know there's product out there for like bridges and things like that to get from one product to the next. But he was so stressed, vomiting in the middle of the night. Well, you, 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 you know, I don't Could think I've ever run into too, that, but, but yeah, no, it's, um, I think it's real stressing over your, is your house going to sell? The, the other side of that is, you know, you look at it as a buyer and you could be a seller being a buyer and you're looking to upgrade. We see a lot of people that are taking a smaller home and moving up, uh, upgrading to, um, you know, a nicer neighborhood, bigger house, bigger yard, whatever it is, better school. Uh, you have these sellers that are, are saying these low interest rates, they're seeing more inventory hitting the market and they're going to be able to move, put their house in the market. And it's, and it's a cycle that we're, we've been waiting for a long time that could turn us into more of a normalized market. Um, yet there's still enough buyers out there. Yeah. And that's really what we're, we're looking for is to, a good balance between the buyers and the sellers so that we can see, you know, can we, we can do a little bit more predictions, but that still doesn't take away the fact that there's still a lot of cash buyers out there. We were just talking off the air about that. Yeah. There's still, still a ton of cash buyers we just saw a 2.2 million dollar property go to cash okay um and you talked about a somebody that everybody knows somebody who's either bought or sold or somebody else that did a transaction in cash yeah. millions of dollars and people are still out there doing that i think this spring and the rest of 2019 if the rates continue to stay where they are um and you know we see the job numbers that we just saw today uh, will lend to a pretty active market, something that uh, I'm sure a lot of realtors have been looking forward to a long time. A lot of buyers that have been sitting on the sidelines going, okay, the price is kind of leveled off, a little bit more inventory uh, and more choices. In my opinion, the most important part about a house is the choices that are available to me, getting the right house. And I kind of work backwards from that. How am I going to buy it? Of course, you know, you set up your finances and you're, you're, you have to have a job and you know, have those goals to own a house, which I believe is the hardest part about buying a house. And then you can now choose a house as opposed to just a very limited inventory where your realtor calls, hey, this house is going to go in the market tomorrow morning. Let's have this offer tonight. It's eight o'clock. No, but we need this in. Otherwise, you aren't going to get a house kind of uh, philosophy. And it's going to go away from that. We, I'm not saying that we're going to see concessions on every deal. We're, we're, we, I believe we're still going to see multiple offers, but it's going to be a healthier market, I believe. React to this story. Slowing home sales haven't stopped investors from backing startups that buy and sell residential real estate. So there's startups now. There's one called Perch. They just lined up $20 million in equity, $200 million in debt. They're going to build out operations. They're going to ramp up home purchases. That follows the efforts by a larger competitor called Open Door, which closed $300 million around, and OfferPad, which brought in $975 million. So the companies are bringing in big money to go out and buy houses. And sometimes... I've seen them go into like communities. They don't care what they're paying. They'll buy five homes in a retirement community because it's a retirement community that they see the long-term algorithm saying good investment. So Zillow, Redfin, and a couple of other iBuyers are using algorithms now. The process exposed the iBuyers to risk of a downturn like last year. In the last half of the year, it was tougher to offload some assets, offsets, um, selling off some of the assets. Housing market is in the early innings of tech disruption. Did you ever think in your youth Big companies, XYZ Corporation will be buying houses. Like, it's almost unfair now. 
for the average investor to go out there and compete and just buy a freaking fragging house to live in. Yeah, I mean, we we've saw this come out of the mortgage meltdown. Uh, a lot of foreclosed properties were being sold in, by auction in the thousands uh, to large companies. And, um, you know, what they do with them is up to them. You know, are they buying it for their employee housing? Are they buying it for just investment as rentals? Uh, we are seeing rents leveling off a little bit, but they are at a higher level. So as an investment, you can put a, an algorithm together and say, if we buy, you know, five units in this in this project here where our equity is safe we're going to get a rate of return on our on our investment and it's hedging in a way i suppose just one other angle i don't um you know the biggest story out of all of that was zillow zillow's really trying to get into the game they just announced that they're going to start doing mortgages now yeah and uh you know is that going to play out for them probably it's you know it's a one-stop shop kind of thing i think they're looking for they've been spending many many years putting together good research and uh, and a good following i think they're going to get some return on it um i don't think it's going to kill the banks i don't think it's going to kill the brokers um i think it's going to offer more choices but i tell you that if you are a broker or a lender that's not keeping up with the technology that's going along with buying and selling houses you are going to be left in the dust Technology disruption coming to home investment and home purchases. Company is called Perch, P-E-R-C-H. If you people want to go take a look at it, private equity has a lot of money and they're looking to what to do with that money. Some of it wants safety. Some of it wants like bonds. Some of it wants exposure to IPOs like the next big dot com. But Perch operates in Dallas and San Antonio, providing title services and plans to eventually offer mortgages. That's kind of a scary thing. You know what you just said when... Um, Companies that used to give you data now provide mortgages, and now they're giving you a buyer and selling agent. Like you got to wonder when is the conflict going to be? Like they're just steering business themselves. Yeah, it's um, you know it kind of defeats the whole you know you use a mechanic to fix your car, get a doctor to fix your body. You know, they, they use a professional in each way. Are you trusting a company that's going to do all angles of a transaction? They're going to ease. You know, next thing you know, Zillow will be doing appraisals. Um, which they kind of already do, but the, the you know the whole idea about using you know uh, uh, have, surrounding yourself with Poof, a circle. My mind was blown. <laughs> okay, so it really wasn't Zillow doing appraisals. That's shocking to you, but not to like I don't even know what the hell that means or why I care. Well, I mean, it's just about you know capturing the market. Uh, every there's a lot of money in a real estate transaction. Title title is oof, is so, getting more expensive. I mean, there's why wouldn't you? It's why, what's wrong with the business model is what I'm trying to say. Well. It's corrupt. Number one, it's well, got a lot from of the bad point of view of, of the guy getting all the money. Well, yeah, but it's also sometimes no, that doesn't mean I'm not against it's being it. Sold, just, like, I had an insurance salesperson corner me yesterday and tell me, what do I have against variable life? And I listed <laughs> 20 things. And he goes, so really, what do you have against variable life? I'm like, oh, you're in so denial. Um, but neither here nor there. Coming up, Tony Mendez is my mortgage lender. And last year he got me to do an adjustable rate mortgage at the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, keep his microphone on, please. That's how radio works, Mr. Producer. Slow hands, Luke. Um, now I'm thinking about a refi. Am I addicted to product? This and more questions coming up on As Rob Black and Your Money Turns. Tony Mendez is at BayAerialOnSource.com. Is it cool that I said all that? Is it chill that you're in my head? Cause I know that it's delicate. Is it cool that I said all that? Is it too soon to do this yet? Cause I know that it's sad. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, 
Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So global warming investments tied towards real estate. There's a lot of questions on insurance companies. Are they are they doing a good enough job insuring mortgages from potential weather risks? Well, how about this for a weather risk? Invest in air conditioning companies because of the global warming. We're going to use more air conditioning. Company like Linux International. They do residential air conditioning. They sell at 21 times earnings. Um, they got a nice little dividend. Johnson Controls, United Technologies. These are all companies that you can think about. You know, air conditionings are expensive. They're not that expensive. But every building that goes up is getting air conditioning, right? Every house that goes up typically gets air conditioning. Maybe not in California, but most across the United States. So consider that. And um, my other investment for instead of global warming and things heating up and you wanting it nice and cool would be invest in some plastic because um, when the floods come, you're going to want to float away on some plastic and live on Plastic Island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So with those bottles, don't throw those away. Just throw those in the ocean. Do not recycle those, those plastic bottles because you're going to need an island to float on one day when your real estate in Alameda is underwater of 10 feet of global ice caps melting. What do you think about my Plastic Island investment? Well, I think it's already there, the Plastic <laughs> Island. <laughs> well, there it is. You just swim to it. Um. I don't know. I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's a story. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. No, I'm talking about you the heard air what I said, right? The air conditioner. Okay, got it. Fine. Got it. You know, Ingersoll Rand is in there, and yeah, it's, uh, why not? I, I had to replace a unit so, on, on my house, and you're doing too. you're doing one every ten ten years or so, and it's expensive, you know. And, they're, and there's they're not a lot money. of competitors, and and that's the whole idea is that it's it's one of those things that's always going to be in demand, and it's and it's not going away. We're not in a we're not global cooling, you know. <laughs> friend of mine got out of Compton and he's moving to Granite Bay and he's like, got to get air conditioning. I'm like, you didn't have air conditioning in Compton? Boom shakalaka. He's straight out of Compton. Um, last year I got a home equity line of credit. The year before I did a refi, I think. The year before I got a 30-year fixed. The year before I did a refi. Am I addicted to mortgage products? No. Because I think um, I always use them to improve my long-term situation, but short-term, I always seem to be using them. Well, you, 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 your arm that you got is yeah. the equity line, all right? right. And, now, and you used that money for a purpose. You've told people what you used it for, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so you bought a house, and that was part of your down payment with your other cash, and that helped, you know, you decided that, that was the easier way to get the money and help your your position on the other property. Um, you, I, as far as being addicted to refinancing, if there, there's a rule called the benefit to borrower rule, yeah. and if you don't meet that rule, and it's a pretty strict rule, in my opinion, where your payment has to drop a certain amount, I think it's 6%, you have to pay off the closing costs in a certain amount of time. If you, if you meet the criteria, you can refinance without any headaches from the Fed. Okay. So, um, but are you addicted? I think somebody, I don't think you are. I think you are taking you did take advantage of interest rates. You got an incredibly low interest rate when they did drop yeah. at the time that they did. Um, and a lot of other people did. In fact, there's a stat that just came out that five million people, homeowners, can refinance just on the latest five ad- million additional people can refinance just from the, the, the latest rate drop. So um, sometimes sure. it makes sense. I mean, you can be in your loan for five to 10 years mm. and even get the same rate and re-amortize with the same rate 
and your payment will drop. So some people do that. Um, some people go from arms to fixed. Um, serial refinancing is illegal, by the way. Well, I was just kind of more so by saying, the, from the lender's yeah, was, point of view. Talking about me because you're the guy who does all my stuff, and like right now, rates have dropped significantly. And I could that thirty year that I got basically fourteen months ago, I could significantly improve my cash flow by an extra four thousand dollars easy a year. That's money that can go to vacations, money I can put in like gold teeth, I can put in a nice grill, like on my, my teeth, <laughs> uh, things that I've always wanted to do. Um, but also, typically when I do it, I tend to get points. I buy the points because I get the lower rate. And like, I feel like there's a bit of an addiction here. I'm always trying to improve my cash flow. Well, there's definitely good and bad. Like some in, people are always trying points. to get credit card rewards. Right. So when, when you buy a house, for example, yeah. and you pay a point, sure. it's going to come out of your pocket. Okay. Um, as long as you, but as long as you keep that loan long enough for that lower payment, because if you're buying a point, you're buying the rate down and you have a lower payment with the lower rate. So if you keep the loan long enough for that lower payment to have paid yourself back the cost of the points, you did a good job. Not only that, you got to write off the point on a purchase. You get to write it off in the first year or the year that you bought your house. So there are some advantages to that where we see people make mistakes in buying points is they, when, when rates are lower, they buy points or they refinance because typically you see lower costs when rates are lower as well because you can build it into the rate. Um, but they also pay points and then they refinance or sell their house within that payback period and they actually assume the cost of that rate. So you didn't do that. And, and so far, what's wor- it's working for you. Um, I always have this saying called rate always trumps cost. Um, this kind of goes hand in hand with are you doing a regular cost loan or are you going to do a no cost loan? No cost loan means your rate was higher than a regular cost loan. So you actually have a higher payment, which is actually a cost. So there is no such thing as a lower cost loan. So that kind of falls into the same category of the payback period. If you pay, pay that loan off one, and refinance or, or sell the property, you are actually assuming the cost of the points that you paid. And that's the danger of, you know, being misled about points. It's pretty interesting. Tony is my mortgage lender. Obviously um, you can find out more about him at bayarealonesource.com. I've got some really good uploadables or downloadables that I've uploaded to newfocusfinancial.com. One of them is on the 15 things you need to do before hiring a financial planner. I highly recommend it because it's basically a guideline to a financial checklist uh, in upcoming episodes, I'm going to be talking about the 20 things you need to know. There's, it's really not that complicated, but you do need a good mortgage lender. And I use mine typically every 12 to 18 months. It's pretty regularly. More than my insurance guy, that's for sure. My insurance guy is Geico and USAA, so it's more of an insurance call center. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at Rob Black Show or NewFocusFinancial.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. financial sense of your portfolio now back to rob black and your money on am 1220 kdow 
Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, the one, the only, Nick Nolenberger from the San Jose Barracuda. AM 1220 KDOW is the home of the Barracuda, and Nick Nolenberger is the voice of the CUDA. How goes it, Nick? What's going on, Rob? Uh, playoff time. I was sitting down watching a little uh, Sharks last night. I was like, wow, the year's over. So as the NHL is wrapping <laughs> up, the AHL is wrapping up, and... Uh, Barracuda are in playoff position, so you're stoked to you get the extra season. Do you get paid for the extra season? I wish we had bonuses involved in the playoffs. We don't, but uh, you know, I guess it's just part of the ride. Uh, the ride. Yeah, it's an exciting time of year. It, it, looking forward to the playoffs. Hopefully, we get in. I mean, we're in a good spot, so I'm looking forward to it. So, when I'm seeing it, um, the AHL kind of does a funny thing. I think they probably save a little bit of money on travel and. Some teams play more than others, and they would do it on winning percentages. Um, Barracuda started really, really hot. Was it the hot start that, that that took them towards the doorstep of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, certainly aided where we're at right now. I mean, we're in second in the division. Um, it, it's uh, it is definitely helpful to have that that good early start. Um, it, it's a dogfight to get in the playoffs, though. I mean, there's there's. Currently, right now, there's three teams fighting essentially for the final spot in the division. Um, you've got Colorado, well, four teams because you've got Colorado, Tucson, San Diego, um, as well as Colorado, and it's going to be a fight really till the end. And it makes for it's definitely an exciting finish. Right now, the Barracuda are probably the best spot out of the four teams um, in second in the division, um, but everybody's separated by essentially uh, you know no more than four points. So. Um, it's going down to the final stretch, and certainly is helpful that the Barracuda had the start that they did. Um, they, you know, they built up some equity, and now they're at this point in the season where it, you know it's kind of go time. They had three straight wins before uh, falling the other night against San Diego on Wednesday. So, um, a, a big two points on the line tonight, taking on um, Grand Rapids. They take on they take on the affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings the next two nights. So. Um, out of the division, but uh, Grand Rapids is trying to punch a playoff ticket as well. So um, definitely something to play for over the next two days. Right, and there's a big game, obviously, um, tonight and tomorrow night. Tickets are still available. It's playoff atmosphere, which I'm going to be honest. I'm okay with hockey in September, October, November, December, but I really, really love April and May hockey. It's like I think it's the best sport on the planet. Um, does your game ramp up as the players' game ramps up, and as my excitement ramps up? Do they all kind of work together? Oh, big time! It's funny how, just from my standpoint, because obviously I'm just sitting there in my in my perch watching the game and calling it. But um, you can tell the intensity picks up, the speed, um, the the rink shortens. It kind of yeah. tightens up. You know, there's not as much space out there. So um, you you could tell probably three weeks ago that the things were starting to intensify and um, it, it's definitely got to that point. I feel like it, we've been in the playoffs for essentially the last three weeks. So um, it's just like the NHL, things get intense, things get tight, things get physical. Guys are, you know, they're fighting for positioning in front of the net. Um, you know, it's just that time of the year where, where things, you know, everything kind of ratchets up for for the intensity so there's no doubt it's the same as the nhl um guys are fighting for jobs guys are fighting to get the playoffs and uh there is a difference when i'm calling the game at this time of the year than at the start of the year and it makes it makes it for a lot of fun 
Should be good. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to the Saturday game. It's KDW will be there, but a lot of my kids' friends, um, one of them plays junior hockey, like junior, junior, peewee hockey, um, but some of them play baseball. Like A lot of sporting clubs and organizations are bringing kids just down by buses for the Saturday game because I think it's the playoff time, and uh, I think the, the, the community is starting to become a little bit more aware that the Barracuda play AHL hockey in an NHL facility with NHL future stars. Um, I remember when Pavelski used to play, not with the Barracuda, but with the Wooster Sharks. And uh, you see him today, and like, he's the captain of the team. It's pretty cool the way uh, people graduate through the system. Yeah, we're, we're you know, we're, we've been working it. We've been trying to get people to get on board. I mean, it's year number four now for the team. So next year will be obviously a big number five. And, you know, there's been a lot of guys that have come through the system over the last four years. And, we're hoping to make the playoffs for the fourth straight year, which would be the first time in you know the Sharks' history that they would send um, the same affiliate to the American Hockey League playoffs for four straight years. They've never done that before, which you know it's something that's important to the organization. And you know they're trying to build a culture um, at the AHL level for guys to make it to the NHL, but make it to the NHL and have playoff experience at the AHL level. I mean, it's important. Um, you know, they've kind of turned the philosophy and, and kind of the, the mindset at the AHL level. So, I mean, you've seen Tebow Meyer, Marcus Sorensen, I mean, even Aaron Dell played last night for the Sharks. I mean, there's yeah. this a plethora of guys who have, who have played in the American League and now, you know, are becoming stars in the NHL. So, um, extremely important to kind of, you know, cut their teeth at the AHL level and, you know, once it becomes stars, you, you forget about their time in the American League, but it's extremely important for their careers. And they look back and, you know, they, it's, uh, they look back at, a, at the time when they were in the AHL, and it's a very important for their career. I mean, I was just talking to Timo Meyer the other day, and, you know, he still looks back at his AHL time, and it's a very important for his career. And, you know, he's still very, it's, a, it's a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's important. It's, it's great it's hockey. Hard to, it's hard to win. Yeah, and like, yeah, it is. I've heard true Canadians. There's eight trophies that you could win in hockey. <laughs> one of them's like junior. One of them's AHL. One in NHL. One of them's uh, the Olympics. And to be a true hockey champion, you got to win all of them. So don't discount the AHL. It's the final two home games of the season tonight, seven o'clock. Grand Rapids Griffins. Tomorrow, a rematch with Grand Rapids Griffins, and then you got one more week in the season before the playoff ramps up. Um, tickets are family friendly. Food is family friendly. Parking is family friendly. It's a great, uh, organization. SJBarracuda.com. We've got about 30 seconds. Any last thoughts, Nick, before you, you roll out of the break? Well, it is a Friday, so that means it's uh, $2 beers, $1 nice. hot dogs. It's fan appreciation night, so the first 1500 will get a, uh, a team photo of the team, um, the 28 to 19 group. So, um, certainly come out. We hope to see you. Playoffs are right on the horizon, so keep kind of tune at SJBarracuda.com and just what the schedule is and, you know, what the playoff schedule will be. But uh, it is a fun time of year, as you mentioned, Rob. So we're looking forward to it. We hope to see everybody out at the SAP Center. With all the um, black eyes and call-ups and drops from the NHL squad, do they have to Photoshop the players in the uh, team photo? <laughs> it's amazing, the team photo every year. Guys sneak in and guys <laughs> fall out of it. <laughs> yeah, I would so, imagine so. Uh, Yes, it's it's incredible guys who make the team photo and guys who don't. But uh, right now it is uh, it's intact, no photoshopping necessary. Thanks very much. I know a plethora, a gaggle of kids are going to be at the game tomorrow, Saturday, April six. But we're talking about also tonight, April fifth. People can get off work tonight. Uh, head to sjbarracuda.com. dot com. That's Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the Sharks, uh, the Barracuda. Maybe one day Sharks, Barracuda, the AHL affiliate. Um, 
tune in. You can hear him here tonight at 7 o'clock. Saturday, Grand Rapids at one fifteen. That's such a kid-friendly time. You can get out of the house. You can grab a car full of kids. You can hustle on down, maybe stop and get a big breakfast. Awesome time. AHL playoff level hockey because it's just one, two weeks away from the playoffs starting, and they're going to get it. I get that sneaky suspicion. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.